The following message from Bible teacher and pastor Jim Crabb is brought to you by Imago Day Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Ohio. We are going to begin in uh, verse 9 of Acts 16. Praise the Lord. The title of our message today is It's, it's Only Halftime. If you go to church here, get those lights back there if you would, guys. If you go to church here, you've heard me say this this thing often. I've said it more than once, I guess. I've said, you know, the most meaningless statistic in all of the all of sports is the halftime score. You know, I I was a a guy that grew up reading, you know, I love newspapers and I'd love getting the, you know, the newspapers of the past were just really filled with statistics and all the things about ball games and I just go through all the statistics, how, how many points did so-and-so have, how many fouls did he have, right, or how many rushing yards did he have, how many hits did he have and all of those kind of things. But down toward the bottom, there would be, at the bottom of the box score, which is, you know, the summary of the statistics of the ga- all the players of the game, there would be under all of it, and it would say, halftime score. And the halftime score would be the score. Now, however long, right, uh, a game is, right? Say it's changed through time. Uh, So so an NBA game, how long is it, TJ? Is it 60 minutes? I think it's like 15-minute quarters. How many? 48? Okay. For the record, that was TJ's dad. TJ was just going to get a star from the pastor for helping him preach, and his dad corrected him from, from the back there, and he, and, he, and he really likes it. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so halftime means that, at the, and they would tell you the halftime score. And the, the, the point of the, of the quote is that halftime is meaningless. It doesn't matter what's happening at halftime. What do, what do we care what the score is at halftime? Because the game's not over when it's just halftime. Man, there's a, there's a whole nother half to live. Now, I want to tell you, I don't know, this is kind of where this came from, but early this morning in my prayer time, I heard the Holy Spirit challenge me and say, you know, this has been a wild year. I said, man, it's been a wild year to be a pastor. That we, me and Josh, we, you know, and Pastor Marvin, we've been doing this a while. We thought we'd seen some wild years as a pastor in our past. But man, we didn't know what 2020 was going to look like. We didn't know what we were going to face as a church. Shutdowns, opening up, social distancing. This is all, these are all things that are weird to us in the church, right? Uh, live streaming, 
and just only and all those kind of things. Uh, but so the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, he said, I'm telling you, you got to understand, preacher, that it's only halftime this, in this year. And I got it. I just looked on and I started doing some, uh, you know, a little bit of math. And I calculated that, that up until July 2nd. So I'm giving you something to get ready for. Ha! July 2nd is the beginning of the second half of this year, 2020. Now I want to tell you that the halftime score is, is rough. We, you know, there's been so many battles and, you know, I, I've been, I study church statistics and things and the statistics, this is a broad look at, a, at the statistics, but they're saying now that thus far, the churches that have opened back up or re-entered like we did, right, that, that between 10 and 40% of the people that used to be there are, are, are re-engaging. 10 to 40. So that means at 10%, if you had 500 people, that means only 50 coming back. Right? Or even if it's 40%, that's, that's, a half, that's less than half the congregation is coming back. But, and, and maybe that's true. It's, we're not believing it's going to be true here at all. In fact, we're believing for an outpouring. We're believing for multiplication, not subtraction. We really are. And I'm believing that because of the power of God that, that He can do in our life. But what difference does it make what the halftime score is? You know, I've wrote down the... the a couple of the largest comebacks in sports. The, the, uh, back in, and I remember this game, 1993. How many weren't born yet in 1993? A few of them. 1993. There was a playoff game between the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Oilers. Before the Texans, the Houston had a team called the Texans, they were called the Oilers, right? And so at halftime of this playoff game, the Oilers, the Houston Oilers, were leading uh, 28 to 3. Okay, so that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a real deficit at halftime. But just after the beginning of the second half, the Oilers scored again, and the score was 35 to 3. Right? So the Buffalo Bills were down, right? What? By 32 points. At the, and the second half had already started. But you know, the Buffalo Bills made a great comeback. And by the way, the Buffalo Bills that were losing at halftime. They, they had on their team was a Hall of Fame quarterback named Jim Kelly. If you've been a sports person, you know who Jim Kelly, the, the Hall of Fame quarterback was. And Jim Kelly wasn't playing that day. So the Buffalo Bills, whoo, the Buffalo Bills were down by 32 points early in the second half with a second string quarterback 
I want you to know today that God can bring victory even with a second or third string quarterback like me. Huh? I don't know what string I am. I think they just, they just found me on the street corner and needed a preacher. But praise God, even with a second string quarterback, the Buffalo Bills got back in that game and, and even though they were down by 32 points, early in the second half, amen, they came back and they won that playoff game. So we don't, what difference does it make what the halftime score was? It's just, it might have been a reality, but you know, that reality is, I don't think it, it, it doesn't hurt the story to talk about how bad it was at halftime. In fact, what it really does is it makes the story. Because they were so, that this game is known in sports history, it's known as the comeback. I want to tell you, we're, we're getting ready to make a comeback. You and me, our churches are. Our ministries are. We're getting ready to, to, to go into the second half. Now, you know, at halftime, the teams, they, they go to their respective locker rooms. And, you know, the, they, they talk about what, what all we did wrong and what we got to do better in the second half. But, you know, the real battle was right there in the minds of the Buffalo Bills. Either, either, either the problem was in, in their mind or the answer was in their mind. And I want to rearrange your mind today. Huh? Somebody said one time, I think people like you and Pastor Josh and Pastor Marvin, you're brainwashing people. And my answer was, Everybody I know needed their brain washed. That's our ministry. We're changing people's minds. So in, here's what we're going to do. You know, it'd be tough to be down 35 to, to 3. Right? And then mentally, you got to get, you, you got to see victory in your heart and in your mind. You got to see that we're going we're, we're to turn this thing around. What, you know, and the question is, it's not, what, it's not what the score is. That's not the biggest issue. That's a problem, but it's not the biggest issue. The biggest issue is, is there any time left on the clock? And there is some time left on the clock. And I, whoo! Listen, you, we can't get so concerned about the last days and, and, and we, I mean, it's, you, you gotta understand the times. You've gotta, Put it all that together. But you can't get so consumed with these are the last times that you just think, well, there's not much left to do. Well, during the last times, brother, that's when we gotta work. That's when we gotta we gotta put some points on the board. We gotta make a comeback. But in order to make a comeback, we gotta think right in our minds. We gotta believe that we can. I'm telling you today, 
the devil has lied to you about what you can do, what you should do, and what you're going to do. I'm telling you, and, he, and the devil screams the, the halftime score. But I'm telling you, it's only halftime. Now, here's, here's what I'm going to, and then I better read some scripture. But July 2nd, I, I marked it down in my home office there. I was, I was praying and studying, and I wrote it down. July 2nd is coming. And the second half of 2020, I'm telling you, there, the first half we, 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 we ran into a pandemic. I mean, the whole world got rocked. And we had to keep the church going in the middle of the pandemic. And we did. But the second half, July, beginning on the 2nd of July, the second half of your year, and our church's year, and our ministry year, the second half is getting ready. It's coming. So what's today? The 14th of June, I believe? Right? Four, June 14th. So we've got two or three more weeks to get our minds ready for the great comeback that the church is going to have. And if the, if, if the pandemic was the, the word of the first half, man, I'm telling you, revival's going to be the word of the second half. It's exactly right. We're making a comeback. Shout out loud, my comeback is on. My comeback is starting today. Now, let's see. Let's see if we, let's see if we can find halftime in the Scripture. Okay, I think I did. In Acts chapter 16, verse 9, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Before you do anything, you better get a vision from heaven. You, you, you don't need the newest idea and all that kind of stuff. What we need is we need a vision from heaven. I need, I need to know what heaven wants me to do. Not what the headquarters wants me to do. I want to know what heaven wants me to do. How many know you ought to ask God every day, Lord, what, I'm, I'm reporting to headquarters. Lord, what do you want me to do? Amen. The vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him or asked him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he'd seen the vision, this is what the church ought to do. After he'd seen the vision, immediately he endeavored to go into Macedonia. I think it's time to sit to, to quit sitting around in planning meetings and, and planning to go do something. I say it's time in the second half, you better get busy about changing your world Immediately after seeing the vision, they endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering, the, uh, gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, loosing from, loosing from Troas, we came unto a straight course. And, and the next day, you know, we went to the, those two cities that are hard to say. And from there, we went to Philippi. 
which is a chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were there abiding in that city for certain days. Now watch this now. And on the Sabbath, so these guys are following the vision to preach the gospel in Macedonia. They go in there. They go to Philippi. And they're preaching. And it says there, verse 13, on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city down by the riverside. Huh. There's a lot to preach right there, isn't there? There is a river, the streams whereof make glad. Huh. That river's flowing out of my heart today, out of my mouth, out of my mind. That river's flowing. They went down to the riverside where prayer was to be made. In other words, that's where they'd usually have the, the local Philippi. That's where they'd have their prayer meeting was down by the river. And these brothers, right, they heard about that. And so they went down to the riverside where, where they were praying. And we sat down and spoke to the women which resorted there. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us. So this, a lady named Lydia from Thyatira in a nearby region, she heard us preach the gospel. And look, look what happened to her. Whose heart the Lord opened. I'm telling you, I, I don't care how hard-hearted people have been in the first half. In the second half, man, God is going to open people's hearts. He's doing it. He's going to have to do it. Because we can't do it with our own intelligence. Look where we are, you know. Whose heart the Lord opened that she attended to the things that were spoken by Paul. And when she was baptized, so this lady was, I mean, man, she just heard there was a prayer meeting, went down to the riverside. Little did she know, somebody's going to change my destiny today. And little did she know how they got there, how'd they get there, because they were going to go somewhere else, but the Lord appeared to Paul in a vision in the middle of the night and told him, don't go there, but go over here. And that's how Lydia got saved. Because the right people were in the right place doing the right thing at the right time. Huh. And that's what we're going to be. And then she was baptized and her entire household. And she besought us and said, If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass as we went to prayer. Now see how all this happens. This is all part of, of the second half coming here. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel was possessed with the spirit of divination. And she met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. In other words, it was a type of witchcraft. It was sorcery. Right? And it brought money into the hands of her master. The same, verse 17, followed Paul and us 
and cried. So this damsel, filled with the spirit of divination by, the, by demons, right? She was filled with the spirit of divination. She met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and, and cried out, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. You know, they were right about that. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned in, turned and said to the Spirit, How many know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood? But we're deal you gotta deal with the spirit behind a thing. That's, the, that's the, the, the power of the thing is the spirit that's behind that thing. That's why when the Holy Spirit takes charge of our life and really gains control of the church finally, yes. hallelujah, that, that the same, that spirit will guide us and influence our lives. Yes. Right? Paul was grieved and he turned and said to the spirit, middle of verse 18, I command you, We talked last week about the rod of God, about God's authority and raising up all of us getting back in our hand the rod of God that always means victory and authority. It's the rod of God that that Moses stretched out over the Red Sea because it was God's authority that those waters parted. That's what made them part was the authority of God. I love how these guys were acting here. He said, I command you. That's the way you got to deal with demons in your life. I command you. I'm not asking you. I'm commanding you. In the name of Jesus, come out of her. And he, look here, and he came out the very same hour. Somebody said, why don't I see more demons cast out of people in my life and ministry? That's because you're not commanding them to. You got to know your authority. We're getting there. And when when her master saw that the hope of of gain by her, in other words, that this witchcraft stuff, the sorcery was getting ready to stop because Paul was casting out that spirit. That'll mess up your business, wouldn't it? Won't it? Paul cast the spirit out. They caught, now watch. When her master saw that their hope of gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace to the rulers, brought them to the magistrate, and said, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. That's that's what I'm looking for. for, What do you mean, what do you want, Pastor? I've known what I've wanted forever. I want a church that's going to rise up, make demons so mad that they're telling everybody that place down there is troubling our city. Most of the time, there's not enough Holy Ghost in the church house to trouble anything. But God's will is for the church to rise up with the authority of the word of God and go out and trouble the city, not by starting trouble, but by 
by doing the right thing and preaching the word and preaching the gospel. And the demonic activity begins to stop in the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. They, so they took them to the marketplace, brought them to the magistrates. Verse 21. And they are teaching customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them. Huh? The multitude rose up against the men of God. You know, not everybody's going to be happy that the church is waking up for a second half comeback. There's a lot of church people that won't be happy about it. Huh? But I'm happy about it. They rose up against them, verse 22 said, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded to beat them. That was the commandment of the magistrate. Beat these two men that are preaching this gospel. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, in other words, they, they, they whipped them, right? They cast them into prison and they charged the jailer, keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. So they didn't just put them in prison. Before they got in prison, they beat them. They put a lot of strife. They whipped their back until the blood was flowing everywhere. Then put them inside the jail and commanded the jailer to, to, to watch over them and put their feet in stocks, right? But verse 25 this is, this is the beginning of the second half. Huh? The first half, we got beaten. The first half, we got whipped. The first half, we got thrown into prison. The first half, they took my feet. Amen. That are beautiful feet because they preach the gospel in your feet. No wonder. And they locked their feet in, in these these. these you know, chained their feet to the wall so that they couldn't get out after they'd beat them and everything. But at midnight, at midnight, listen to me, during the darkest time of the day, at midnight, at midnight, at, but, but at midnight, you know what happens at midnight? Man, at midnight, there is, begins a brand new day. At, 12, at midnight, 12 o'clock a.m., and one second, the second half has already begun. And I don't care how far they were down. They could have been, and they weren't in great shape. They may have been in worse shape than the Amen, than the Buffalo Bills were. By the way, without their star quarterback. But God had a vision for the people and for the church. And the Bible says, and at midnight, till the church learns to do this, you, we're never going to have victory in our lives, man. 
And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. And the prisoners heard them. That's what, that's what we ought to do. It's, and we're not to the second, we're not to July 2nd yet. But on our way to July 2nd, we're going to already act like we're already at halftime. In other words, we're going to pray. We're going to sing praises. And, and, right? That's why we're, 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 we're locked in stocks in jail. We're beaten with rods. We're whipped on our back. In other words, things don't look all right. But thank God the comeback started. I'm telling you, it's only halftime in the church. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. What kind of earthquake? I wish, every, I wish everybody right in these sections right here would tell me what kind of earthquake was it? Great. Great earthquake. How about this middle section? What kind of earthquake was it? Great. Well, how about this section? This is where, this is where the, usually the dead, you know, praiser sit in this area but I think they're making a comeback today oh, yeah. I, uh, what kind of earthquake was it great. it's exactly what I'm talking about a great earthquake that's what we're expecting at the beginning of the second half of this year where there was division in the first year there is going to be a supernatural coming together again in the second half of this year by the power of God. I'm believing God for a great earthquake, not just a little rumbling. I'm looking for something that will shake the walls of the foundation of the way that things have been and get ready for what God wants to do in the future in a new way. Say out loud, it was a great earthquake. How great was it, Pastor? Glad you asked. Verse 26. Well, the foundations of the prison were shaken. How many know that the, that the foundations, that everything that man has built needs to absolutely be shaken in order for God to come in the second half and rebuild it like he wants it built. Woo! It was a great earthquake. The foundations were shaken. And look what happened. You know this. And immediately, when? Immediately. immediately when this stuff starts happening, look at now. I love this part. All the doors. How many? All of them. All the doors. Woo! All the doors. All the doors were opened. No matter how, how locked they were. No matter how shut they were. No matter how strong they were. The, the foundations are already falling apart. I'm believing God that the foundation of, 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 of what man has put together, even in church, that those things are going to be shaken. Amen. And we're going to have something rebuilt in God's way. 
like you've never seen before. All the doors were opened, and I love this part. I love words like all. That means all. That means all. All. All little. All big. All rich. All poor. Huh? If you're behind a door and you're locked to a wall, I want you to know that all, all the doors were open. And the next sentence, and everyone. So all and everyone's bands were loose. I'm believing God not just to have a few sections of people that's got the Holy Ghost and feel free. I believe in God for the chains to fall off everybody and everybody's doors blow open. Some of you have been daring me to make a Holy Ghost word person out of you. I take the dare. Huh? Woo! All the doors were opened. You got to believe this, see? And everyone's bands were loosed. I, I really, when, when this thing starts starting here, man, everybody in there gets set free. And the keeper of the prison, remember he got a charge. What was his charge that, the, that they gave him? Watch these guys. Make sure they stay in there. And the keeper of the prison awoke out of his sleep. You know, when something starts going on and the foundation starts shaking and the doors start opening up and everybody that's a prisoner is getting out and they're loose, the people like the keeper of the prison, they start waking up. I'm telling you, there's going to be a wake up. There's got to be. Out of his sleep, seeing the... He saw the prison doors open. He drew out his sword and started or would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Huh, why? Well, because he, he knew what his authorities were going to do to him if they, when they find out. These, these guys all got out and we didn't let them out. Huh? So he got ready to kill himself. Here's, here's real revival. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, don't do yourself any harm, for we are all here. You know the power of revival right here, when God really shakes the, the foundations and opens the doors, the guys that could have run out stayed right where they were because they wanted to preach the gospel to this jailer. Look at this now. Then he called for a light. Huh? I'm calling for a light. I'm calling for the light of the glory of God to rise upon us. I'm calling for a light. And sprang in. He came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? Now I have dreamed and dreamed and dreamed about that kind of stuff happening. 
rather than me having to work the crowd and try to drag some people into finally giving up and coming to Christ. But I believe when the foundations of a thing get shaken and the prison doors start opening up, amen, and there's a great shaking, I believe men will come to the house of God and say, what must I do to be saved? Woo! And it can happen. Come on, get What must I do to be saved? Watch now. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved in your house. And they spoke unto him the word of the Lord and all that were in his house. And he took them. The guy that, the keeper of the jail. That's who this is. The keeper of the jail took them the same hour of the night and, wait a minute, and washed their stripes. You know, in order for healing to come in this divide in America, we might have to wash some other people's stripes. We might have to wash some stripes as believers. We might have to say, you know, I might have been a part of doing that to you. But praise God, I'm believing God for you to be healed today and come to my house and let me wash your stripes. And he was baptized, he and all his house straightway. Verse 34. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. In other words, this man wasn't good. What happened to this man was he encountered some people that had a vision from God that the second half of what we're doing can be better than the first half. The first half, they were beaten, bleeding, in jail, all that kind of stuff. But in the second half, all the foundations were shaken and all of them were loosed. I'm believing God for that today for us. Let's all stand up. We trust you enjoyed this message. For more information about Pastor Jim Crabb and Imago Day, please visit our website, at imagodecincy.com I-M-A-G-O-D-E-I-C-I-N-C-Y dot com
We trust you enjoyed this message. For more information about Pastor Jim Crabb and Imago Day, please visit our website at imagodeicincy.com. I-M-A-G-O-D-E-I-C-I-N-C-Y dot com.